When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. Featuring a reimagined exterior with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and an interior built with robust materials and integrity, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. Its durability has been tested to the extreme while the cargo capacity means more room for your gear. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1053. First off, uh, I hope you are okay during all this craziness right now. I hope you're staying uh, connected. Um, thankfully, we have technology to be able to connect with other people. So please use that. Stay connected. And even though we... Uh, must be physically isolated at this time. Let's not. Let's try to not be emotionally isolated as well. I think that's very important for our mental health. So uh, I just wanted to say that really quickly and just let you know that I'm thinking about you and uh, and hoping that you're okay. Secondly, I think it probably goes without saying, but I will say it anyway that uh, that a bunch of the uh, Wizard Guitar stand-up comedy dates are being moved, which I am more than fine with. With because uh, public health is the most important thing. And I only want people being able to come out when it is safe for them to do so. So uh, obviously, I'm sorry that I won't get to see you for the dates that were scheduled for the spring, but we will schedule those uh, to a different time later in the year. And I'll get to see you then. Also, uh, I don't know if you heard about this. We didn't do... Talking Dead last week because I just didn't... Things were rapidly unfolding and we as a group just thought, you know what, it's not worth the risk of, you know, to, we were going to do it without an audience and then it just seemed like, you know, I don't know if this is a good idea. There's still, you know, a few dozen people that come in and put the show together. So between our guests and our crew and our staff, it just felt like let's let's be as safe as possible and not get everyone together Um you know, a, a lot of other shows had started to go dark at that point, and so we just sort of uh, added to that um, because we just felt like it was a responsible thing to do for everyone. If, But when we posted that we weren't going to do Talking Dead, a bunch of people said, well, why don't you just do, like, you know, like a webcast version of it? And we talked about it and f- realized we could do that. <laughs> so we are doing that. Talking Dead will be back um, this next week. Uh, The date on that is Sunday, March 22nd. So the 22nd, it will be uh, Yvette Nicole Brown, Scott Gimple, and a surprise cast member. And uh, and we're gonna we're gonna webcast it. And so it'll sort of feel like 
half a, you know, it's like it'll have the packages and elements of the show with, you know, like interviews from the cast that were pre-recorded and then cut back to us uh, all in our homes. And so I'm actually excited to try it that way. But um, we hope that, you know, and I guess broadly, too, between Talking Dead and these podcasts and The Wall, which is back on NBC and um, very uplifting, I might add, uh, that is now going to be on 8 p.m., 7 p.m. Central on Sunday nights as well. And... We hope that the entertainment is a good distraction for you in the midst of all the craziness and all the the sort of media overload. And and so, you know, to take a step away and, you know, basically have like a mental break, we hope we can provide some of that distraction for you. And also, just in the spirit of staying home, um, we may, or or we will actually, start to do some podcasts that will be recorded uh, remotely via, you know, some type of video conferencing software that we're we're working out right now. I've never, I've only ever done it one time. Uh, I did it with Warren Ellis, I believe, in 2013, because he was in England. And and that one actually worked out pretty well. But in general, I always thought, oh, no, it's always great to be sitting across from people so you can really connect, like, people and see each other. Now that's obviously not really an option, but... um, we are still going to, you know, make as many podcasts as we can uh, via uh, web conferencing. And we're lining up some good guests. So I am hoping that uh, we'll be able to put those out soon and that you won't be able to even tell that we're not sitting across from each other. So business as usual. We'll just keep uh, moving ahead and we'll proceed like everything's uh, totally normal. But in all sincerity, as I said before, um, I hope you're okay. Uh, I hope you're safe. I hope you're comfortable and taking care of yourself. And I hope you are staying home, if it's at all possible. Okay, with that said, let's go to the corkboard. This is from Christopher, who writes, 22 years ago, while I was a student, I envisioned a world of monsters. Uh, I proceeded to spend the following 21 years building worlds and creating monsters from others in television, film, and tabletop gaming industry. I've designed makeup effects for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel, and Firefly. I've created illustrations for Dungeons & Dragons, Magic the Gathering, and Star Wars. I never forgot about my world, and it has slowly grown and taken shape over the past two decades. Five years ago, I finally began putting the pieces together, and now the Kickstarter for the first book in the Grand Bazaar of Ethra Vandalia series has launched. The books, um, for there's the main book, a coloring book, and a a fifth edition compatible D&D stats guide, are all 100% complete and are in the printers waiting for the Kickstarter campaign to end. I just need everyone's help to get the books printed. You can find it on Kickstarter by searching The Grand Bazaar, B-A-Z-A-A-R, of Ethra Vandalia. So uh, well done, Christopher. And for anyone else out there who has a thing, events at ID10T.com is how you would share that. This episode is Carrie Ellis, who, by the way, you, you are going to love this man if you didn't already love him. He's literally been in some of the most iconic things um, in our culture, you know, just besides Princess Bride or like Robin Hood Men in Tights or Hot Shots or like Glory um, or The Crush, which is such a fun rewatch. Uh, my wife and I watched that with a group of friends last year. And uh, he and he's he's in so many great series right now. He's season three of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is on Amazon Prime. He was just in Stranger Things, um, 
And we had uh, kind of gotten to know each other a little bit from a panel that I moderated. And he's a terrific guy. I was a huge fan of his before. I am now a bigger fan of his now. And uh, he just could not be warmer. And funny as fuck. So fucking funny. So uh, this episode... Uh, I I think will uh, entertain and distract you from the world uh, with the incredibly wonderful, charming, and hilarious Carrie Ellis, which is 1053 of the ID10T podcast, which starts right now. Initiating ID10T protocol. Fantastic, by the way. Yes. One of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, I, the fucking, the, the best. It's on right now. Oh, it's on somewhere? It's playing, it's playing on stars this month. Oh, my God. It's, uh, so I'm re Return the map. Yeah, right. I tried to show, I tried to show what it. What the bloody hell is going on up here? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Turn off that light and get to bed. Right. You can quote every line. That's awesome. That movie... It's just the thing on my nose. And... <laughs> so good. So good. Is it absolutely necessary to put... <laughs> he says he's afraid it is. Genius, <laughs> he, right? He punches everyone. Punching he hands it. Yeah. Genius. Yeah. It's total genius. Oh, my God. Yes. Uh, yeah, a lot of people talk about... Uh, you know, obviously, the the... Life of Brian, of course, because sadly Terry Jones just passed away, but Life of Brian or uh, any of the other Python films that were in it. But uh, although Time Bandits was a Gilliam movie, it wasn't a but they were in it. They were in it, but everything Gilliam did was genius. I mean, you look at um, like Jabberwocky. Yeah. Okay, which was actually, I think, uh, a Gilliam Jones Mm co-production, and Jones and Gilliam both had a, a sensibility about history. Obviously, they were great historians, and that's why all their skits are about Vikings and great big right. panning shots. And what, you know, right. um, but Gilliam was the artist as well, and so he could he could do storyboards, mm-hmm. and that's why you know when he took over directing um, and became his own voice, he could always count on them coming back and playing with them. But Terry was really the director for. The feature films for for Life of Brian and uh, although they all had a hand in it, you know they were all. F- <laughs> I think uh, I think I think Palin directed Life of yeah. Brian because I watched an interview right from a just like a chat show from like 1978 right, 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 right. eight or nine or they something. All did and it was Cleese and Palin who were debating yeah. with like a bishop yeah, yeah. and That's like right. a, a Christian conservative about, broadcaster about how, about how inappropriate it was. And, and they were like, well, we didn't make it about Jesus. And they're like, come on, yeah, of no, course no. you did. No, uh, even though Jones gets the credit for it, um, they, they they all kind of, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, that's how it worked with them. Did yeah. you work with them? Yeah, I made a point of working with them. I, I sought them out. I'm, I'm blessed enough, as you know, in this career, in, in the lovely career that we have. If you really focus on it hard enough and nudge the universe a little bit, things can happen. And so I got to work with uh, 
with Cleese on the Jungle Book, the first version. Right. Uh, and uh, with Lena Headey. And then I worked with Eric Idle on um, a kid's movie called Ella Enchanted, which we shot. In oh, the, right. Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, and so I got to work with both of them. So, I'm, you know, I see Eric more because he lives out here. I just saw him the day before Terry passed, actually. It's very sad. And, and what's, what's so fascinating about them as a group is yeah. that, you know, when you talk to them, they're like, you know, we only did Python for like a couple of years. No, like, I know. It's such, a, it's such a tiny sliver of right. their careers. But they're the Beatles of comedy. Of course they are. You know? Yeah. And they know that. that there'll never be another like it. <laughs> it. That's it. Right time, right group. Right, right everything everything yeah every, every, everything everything about it i love every once in a while i'll rewatch john cleese giving the eulogy at graham chapman's funeral right right it's hilarious when the, they spill but, oh, that, that was it i think that was, was at the aspen com- comedy, comedy festival. festival right 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 john cleese is giving the eulogy actually at graham chapman's funeral and saying what a bastard he was he says what a bastard he was and he said <laughs> you know we, we of course were the first and he's very dry he's very somber yeah. you know we were the first uh group to, to get to say shit on british television right. and graham would never forgive me if i didn't take this opportunity at a british funeral to be the first person to say fuck and the room just erupts <laughs> yeah. like yeah. it's just the yeah. those guys together they're just there's no it was just like a moment in time yeah it was just yeah, a moment, moment in time, time. Yeah. by the way i'm i just noticed your purple rain shirt oh, thank you which is representing fantastic thank you have you watched purple rain recently oh it's great <laughs> i haven't seen the movie in years i got to see him live a year before he passed away at the bell center in in uh, montreal yeah which is a stadium it's where they normally play uh, 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 hockey and the security came out and they made an announcement that absolutely no photographs. Right. They couldn't make everyone turn their phones in, obviously, otherwise it would take too long. But if you take a picture, you will be escorted from the premises. Right. right? It was that kind of thing. Right. And, of course, it's Prince. So, like, you know, it's like almost 2,000 people in this stadium, right? How are you going to stop 2,000 people from right. at least one person? They had security guys walking up and down the aisles, you know, checking the entire time to see if you took, you took a picture. And, of course, <clears throat> I thought when I, I was checking to make sure that there was no one around, I took out my phone and thought, I've got to get one. Because he, was ama- he really was amazing. He actually had an all-girl band right here, his drummer and his guitarist. They were all girls and all women. And he even had a woman on stage whose sole job it was was to carry a bounce around to make sure he was well lit. I mean, you can't. And I thought, I had to get a picture of that, right? I had to get a picture. I mean, that's so, you can't make that. No one would believe me. So I took out my camera to take a picture of that, and I felt an enormous hand on my shoulder. I turned around, this huge security guy is like, come on, time to go. I went, no, please do. He goes, no, you know the rule. It's time. Let's go. Come on. Right now. Come on. Vas-y. I went, no, please. I'm so sorry. I made a mistake. He's like, and I talked my way out of it. Oh, wow. And he goes, I'm watching you. Oh, <laughs> you know, man. it was like that. You, you, know? you, you sort of... You, you, <laughs> Do you ever – I've had this conversation with other people before right. where they're like, you know, there are times when you don't really want to be recognized because right. you're like right. eating or you're with right, your family right, right, or whatever. Right. And there are times you're like, boy, that could really bail me out yeah, right sure, about sure, now. Sure. You sort of give the profile, huh? Right. How about oh, now? Right. No, it didn't matter. I don't think it mattered. Did, that, for Prince, it didn't Well, he matter. sounded French and it sounded like he was just not going to – Not interested. Like, not interested no, no, at, at all. all. At all. Uh, I never got to see Prince live. He was amazing. Of course he was. Amazing. And he danced in high heels. Yeah. That was part of uh, the injuries that he sustained is that because he wore these these uh, bell bottoms and he hid his heels, he was in like 
five inch heels this guy yeah jumping up and down and doing splits and uh, you're like holy crap how does anyone do that without shoes right right now imagine that in high heels well he was and he was not a tall fellow not a tall fellow but what makes but what's interesting about that like the, the humanity part of that is even though he was prince and even though he under i believe he did understand that he was prince yeah yeah he still had insecurities. He sure. still had things that sure. were just like he still had stuff about his body that he yeah, probably hated. Sure, sure. You know, he was like, a human being. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Like yeah. we all. And yeah. That to me is like that's comforting in the sense. I mean, it makes me sad for him, but it's comforting in the sense of like, yeah, no one. Everyone's got a thing. Even Prince. Yeah, even Prince. Even Prince had right. a thing. Yeah. Had a few, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 I'm glad you got to see him. Yeah. So it was a real gift. You were very sweet the other night because we were at the this Vanity Fair thing. Mm. And I saw you when we were walking in, but I'm, I just feel bad. Like, sometimes I feel like, oh, the, the people don't, they're not going to know. I'm going to walk, I'm going to go, hey. And you're like, who are you again? You know, so I just, and you were kind enough to step in and go, hi. And I was like, oh, my God, hi, thank you. But I didn't want to. Please. I, was, I didn't want to bother you. We were about to work together. So I, I thought, know, I, I know, say, I know, yeah. I know, but I just didn't, you know. I'm a fan anyway. I, so, I wasn't yeah. aware that you yeah. had any. Yes. Because we did this um, really fun panel over Halloween right. at the Television Academy, and um, which was really fun. It was actually. Fun. That was, it a, was That was a good God, panel. That was funny. That was so funny with <laughs> with Jake Busey. Jake Busey and, 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 and Ryan and, Hurst and, 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 and David. Yeah. So funny. Yeah, Jake was really funny. Jake was really funny. sweet. Funny. Like a really sweet guy. Yeah. And you came up and you said hi and I, and you know I was talking to my wife after I was like oh. You know, it was really nice. It was Carrie was re- like he introduced himself. He was so gracious on the panel because you just you don't ever know. Like when right. you don't know people, right. you know. Have you been doing a lot of panels lately because no. of? <clears throat> I mean, uh, uh, not so many panels, but a lot of press, obviously. But uh, you know, you're lucky if if your show is somewhat successful and and people want to see it and and they want to talk to you about it that's a great thing i and, know. You know when you have a show where no one wants to see it nobody wants to talk to you about it it's really <laughs> quite depressing no but there are people you know? who are in the business and i feel like they really and understandably there are parts to loathe about that dance especially right. now in this sort of like clickbait headline junket mm-hmm. you yeah, know yeah, yeah, like yeah. Uh, whatever it's just like i feel like everyone's there's these like gotcha moments yeah. uh, you know right and so well it, we knew that wouldn't happen with you anyway no that definitely and, would not. and also it's like a great group of people i was working with i've been very lucky i worked with some wonderful people and uh i love to support the shows that i work on yeah i think that's part of the deal that you when you sign on you have to support them yeah whether the product is something you admire or not that's also that, that's part of, that's part of the acting you know, game in a way totally yeah you know and and you have to help sell the product that's part of you know, you're an ambassador for that product. Right. You know, whether you think you are or not, right. you are. Right. And even if you think you're not, you're still an ambassador for that project. So. But I also feel like that, like, yeah. when you see people who've continued to work consistently throughout yeah. the years, like you have, I, I always kind of know internally, like, they also must be like a really cool person because it, you know, it, you just, you wouldn't continue to be employed that many years. If you were difficult to work with, people would just be like, ah, you know, but you've worked on, you've worked on some of the, literally oh, some you. of the most iconic thank things you. in our culture and not thank just you. Princess Bride, but, thank but, you. you know, men in tights and twist, like all these really fun, different types uh-huh. of things. Uh-huh. So what, where did you, when you started out, what did you think your career was going to be? Did you think, well, I'm going to do theater? I'm going to do well, like. It's funny. We started out talking about 
Monty Python because they were very influential. And comedy was a great influence on me in, in growing up as a kid. We only had two channels in England. Right. Two. Right. Okay. And, BBC and One and BBC it, Two. It. You had to get up and change the channel. <laughs> and then I, because we were three kids growing up <clears throat> and I was the youngest, I was the guy who had to hold the aerial. You know, and, and so I could, and sometimes I'd be behind the TV, so I couldn't see what was going on. It was just, that's how ancient I am, Chris. You had to and get the aerial in, in the, the right, way in the, the, you yeah. had to catch the signal. Yeah. And that often meant missing the show. Yep. Anyway, so when I, when we did figure out how to jerry rig it with tape and uh, duct tape and stuff like that and, and move it around that way, <clears throat> TV became my friend. And that's where I saw it as being a magic lantern as a kid. I'm like, I've got to get inside that box. It's so much fun in there. You know, life is so dreary and drab and depressing and London and gray and damp and rain and this. And these guys would come on. The first show I saw was actually Terry Jones, Palin and Cleese in a show called Do Not Adjust Your Set. Mm-hmm which you can look up on YouTube now. They have episodes there. It was black and white. It was very dada, very, very obscure and very abstract, but very silly. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time even three of the Pythons were on the same show together. Okay. And you could see immediately there was a chemistry there. And this was before Python. Before Python. Yeah. yeah. So that's when I started doing my homework. And, and the other big comedians at the time were Peter Sellers, and Spike Milligan, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and who was the third guy? Who was in the Goonies? And oh, that guy. Right, right. Anyway, right. so they were th- these were the competing comedians on TV at the time. And if you if you really were uh, uh, into comedy, that these were the guys you had to watch. And when Python arrived in the seventies, it was like must see TV. And you didn't have recorders back then, and you didn't have VCRs or anything. And you had to catch the show when it was on. So you had to plan your day around. <laughs> I mean, it really was. Or like you might to... never see, see it, it again. again. Yeah. Right, which yeah. is a huge thing. So that's why it became such an event. Because you really had to go, okay, whatever dinner you were at or show you were at or meeting you were at, you were like, guys, <laughs> love to stay. But I got to get home because I've got important stuff to do. Now, you know? and now yeah. what, at the time when Python came out, was it yeah. considered sort of like punk rock on British television? Like, oh, yeah. Was it the kind of thing you, that parents were like, you shouldn't watch this. This is oh, yeah. drivel. Oh, sub- subversive. Right. You had men dressed as women and, and, and uh, you know uh, – uh, grannies beating up people and it was, great, it was amazing the, you know the bishop who was a, 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 a what was he the bishop he was like a, a east end gangster right you know, the bishop <laughs> i just thought i thought they were absolutely and so you had to learn if you were really into the python you had to learn everything right you had to learn all the skits you had to buy all the books anything that had the skits written down again before the internet and you had to study it and really – and they brought up – they had albums. They had books. They were really smart about merchandise. Right. You know, in a time when there wasn't a lot to, to promote. Oh, yeah. You I mean know? I've heard stories like they would go do their live show in German. Like no, they were just like the most brilliantly educated no, people. Unbelievable. They all went to Cambridge. Together, yeah. You know, most of them. Yeah, that was, that was, the, that was the thing is that the – when they – did this debate with this bishop and this Christian broadcaster. They, they, they were sort of looking down at them, and the, the bishop was like, um, oh, yes, I, I'm, I'm familiar with this college humor. Like he basically was <laughs> wow, trying... Wow, you do that really well. He, he was, <laughs> you do, and I'm t- that's from a Brit. <laughs> 
Chris. I'm just imitating. No, a, that's really I'm just good. imitating a cranky, old, a cranky old bishop who was just trying to like put them in their place, but but wrote it off as like this is. And, and even the Christian broadcaster was like. You know, he was trying. To, he was like, "You're better than this." Like oh, that's he, hilarious. right, right, right. Deme- like totally demeaning them. Yeah, 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 like yeah, I sure. get what it is. Yeah, yeah, right, it's not right. really the highest it's form of you. art, though, yeah, is it? And then he was just basically hilarious. trying to put them in their place. But it's like, well, that's if you're sort of like in the in to any kind of punk movement, you kind of want to hear that, right? Yeah. You don't uh, yeah, want exactly. the ruling class Absolutely. to be like, "We get it," subversive because you have to be subverting, subverting. against something. Subverting, yeah. And so from that love of Python. Did did you think? Well, I I want to go into comedy, or was it just so? Yeah, so I knew that that comedy would be fun to do. I was obviously wanted to be in film and 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 uh, and and do any good work, um, but I I wasn't opposed. I think what what Python and and Sellers, who if you have not watched his, I'm sure you've seen uh, the movies he did with Kubrick and stuff. But, oh yeah, but if you find out his other stuff online, check it out. And of course, being there and things yes. like that. But his early work. You know his early movies are really amazing, mm-hmm. and and so these were people I looked up to, as well as British established British dramatic actors like uh, Olivier and, and Ralph Richardson and Gielgud and Burton and Ta- and um, um, O'Toole and Ralph Finney, Richardson in Time Bandits. Ralph, of course, who I adore. Ralph was actually my favorite of that era of that of that group. He was really my favorite, uh-huh. and the fact that he did Time Bandits just elevated him in my book. So yeah. I, I studied them all. I became like a human sponge of film, television, the, the the film industry, the British film industry in particular, because I was in England, about the great uh, golden age of film, uh, which really started in sort of the 20s with Hitchcock all the way through to the war, to the end of the war. And that's and through the 50s a little bit. And then the 60s, obviously, you had Darling and great, yeah. you know, all these fabulous directors, David Lean and everything, in the 70s. And it sort of died off after that. But you had this long swath period, which I grew up in, not the 40s and 50s, but from the 60s onwards, I had a good couple of decades of fabulous TV and yeah. film going on. Um, and so I was a sponge. I was educating myself. And so how could I get to work with the very best people, whether it's in dramatic work or comedy? And the comedy didn't come till later, actually. I was really doing mostly drama until Princess Bride, you know? Oh, wow. You well, know? Princess Bride, in a way, I mean, it's, it's sort of... Um... It's not some of it's played as comedy, but not right. really. Like it's just this beautiful fairy tale. It's pretty silly. It's but <laughs> you know, I mean, even that's what I think. Honestly, even the Pythons were very fond of it. It's pretty silly. I mean, You've when got... when you have the Billy Crystal and like right. the Carol Kane, they're obviously doing these big yeah, crazy yeah. characters, yeah, but yeah. but but there but there are other characters that are that have to be pretty straight to in order to Robin Wright is the straightest character in the whole thing everything right. happens to her she's right. kidnapped she loses her boyfriend and she's forced to marry someone she hates right she has to be the dramatic centerpiece of the whole thing the straight right. person uh, but but you know you have they're surrounded by all these crazy you know, like albino and, yes you know and humperdink how and the six finger man I mean, you can't make it up you it's can't silly. and and it literally is probably I'm going to say maybe the most quotable movie in the history. <laughs> uh, uh, up, up, that's why it was up up to that point. You had basically Python being the most quotable. Yes. You know? So I feel pretty proud to be in something that has some pretty good quotes. But they're just like – and I, Time Bandit is sort of the same way. It's like a lot of comedy. If you do a lot of comedy, you can track a lot of stuff. You watch stuff and you go, oh, I see how they got from A to B to C. But it's just like whose decision is it? 
to have Andre the Giant say, anybody want a peanut, like, after the scene has... That was actually not in the script. That was, um, uh, the producer came up with that on the day. Yeah, and it's like, um, that, how the fuck do you even, like, it just, so much of that movie isn't, tr- like, how, this is so wild, and Time Bandit too is like, so wildly yeah, original. Totally original. That it just doesn't, which I... Were they talking about trying to remake it at some point? <laughs> Recently. You just can't. It's not possible. No. It's like trying to remake Groundhog Day. No, like, you, you can't. can't. Like, it no, worked can't. because no. it was then and no, those then. people. Like, no, it's no. not. No. It's no. not. Well, we live in an, in an era now where people, are, are, especially studios, want to save money and <clears throat> finding material, Chris, that they don't have to spend a lot of marketing on. Of course. You know, a built-in audience. So, of course. You know, um even video games or, or comics or whatever. Yeah. The easier the sell. Yeah. Um, much less stress on the. I get that. You know, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. There are some things that are just like, you just no, don't, you can't, you can't take a can't swing at that. No, you just can't no. take a like, swing at that. You should never touch a Kubrick film. You should never touch a Hitchcock movie. You right. Should, there are things you just, just don't touch. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. There should be a. Maybe this is sort of like the little Library of Congress. Somebody just step right, in and right. go, we're going to create like the, it's sort of like the, the film protection society. Yes, exactly. And yeah. it's sort of like the vaulted Hogwarts. <laughs> like hilarious. You should, you can't go in there. You're right. That's funny. To start opening things. You just like, that's, that's there. That's all. That's all. Prote- we should, we should protect some films like, right. like, like national monuments or right. like historical pr- properties. The good news is the audiences are pretty savvy to that stuff. And anytime they see a film that they know, is a studio attempting to just cash in on something? Yeah, they haven't really spent a lot of time trying to figure it out. Yeah, they don't. They they stay away from it. But when the studio does do a good job, like I thought they did a pretty good job with the Mary Poppins sequel. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I, my I took my daughter to see that and she enjoyed it. I mean, look, is it as good as the original? It's never going to be as good. It's just you know, one's a magical thing that right. of its time. And the other is a kids' movie that ha- has some elements. But it can still be fun and it can still, still be, be fun. enjoyable. And enjoyable. And yes. they did that. Yeah. And I think they did that really well, especially bringing Dick Van Dyke back in to play his older character was fun. But did- yeah, you know, I mean, it, most audiences can smell that stuff. They know. They know a, a stinky movie when. <laughs> I, remember, I remember living in New York and seeing the trailer for um, uh, The Postman, mm-hmm. Kevin Costner. Yeah, yeah. Or he's just walking that walking horse. Walking around and... the horse and he's uh, delivering mail. It's, <laughs> and after the trailer was done, somebody, it's only in New York, somebody in the back of the, uh, the audience yelled, Jug mail! <laughs> <laughs> and that's a New Yorker for you. That you know is, what I mean? Uh, you know. That must have killed. Killed. That must have killed. Killed and killed the movie. Yeah, Gosner was really, there was that period of time where he was really obsessed with like a, like a post-apocalyptic. Why? Yeah, I don't know. It's like, no. Well, okay, okay. So the well, what if everything was covered in water? All right, that's fine. Yeah. What if it was he was trying to deliver a pe- Okay, fine, fine, no, fine. That's absurd. You know, because he was really uh, such an incredible uh, movie star at that point with with Untouchables and Field of Dreams. I mean, Dances with no, Wolves. Dances with Wolves could do no. By the way, a great piece of direction. Yes, I mean, for first time direction. Yes. Stunning. So it begs to wonder why he would think that Waterworld was a good idea. You know? But I shouldn't judge. Yeah. I've got some some real classics out there. So. Well, it's hard. You know, like yeah. it's it's. You know, Liddy and I watch a lot of like low budget horror, and so we're oh, very really? forgiving. That's yeah, funny because we understand how hard it is to. It's like for anyone to illustrate the process. What they do is like 
you know, picture an object in your mind and then try to draw it. Right. It's, you know, unless you're a world-class artist, it's very difficult sometimes. A lot of things can happen, especially in a movie where, you know, like, there just has to be this, like, symphony. Everyone has to kind of just sync up somehow. There's just a magic. Like, the studio has to be out of the way just enough. that It's a total magic. It's, 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 It's alchemy. And when you get it, it's like, Catching lightning in a bottle, as you know. Did Princess Bride yeah. feel that way when you were making it? Did it seem it like we're making, like something, we're making different? something fun and different? Because yeah. Rob was so tuned into it. I mean, he literally would sometimes give me line readings, and you know, because he knew he knew it in his head. He could hear and see the whole movie in his head. Yeah. And and when you have a director who has that kind of a vision, yeah, you're you're on pretty good. Unless their vision sucks. Uh, <laughs> um, but if their vision happens to be something that 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 people can uh, can tune into and and and, and it's, has a, a broad appeal you, you you usually are in good shape right 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 but it's tough to know because someone might have the vision right. but still like yeah getting it shot properly getting, it, getting it edited it, properly the yeah the execution exactly. of it is yeah. still is still really it's a difficult you have to have the vision and the execution yeah was and was, surround yourself with incredible people I absolutely mean, you know he 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 found the the, the costume designer for Lawrence Arabia <laughs> I mean, I had the same person who decked out O'Toole and Omar Sharif and all those guys put put so, you know, suede and, and suede pants onto my legs. That's unbelievable. But he was, but you, but the character was basically kind of a Douglas Fairbanks type, though. We, that's so, what we looked at. We looked yeah. at Zorro and we looked at uh, the Black Pirate and we looked at all the kinds of and drawings from early editions of, of, of the book. And really came together with this look for him that was very Zara-like, very Douglas Fairbanks. Yeah. yeah. And was the – I can't remember because I was – well, I guess – was it 87? Did that come out in 87? 87, we, yeah, shot in 86. 87, yeah. So I was 16. I, I remember when it came out, was it a was it a big hit at the box office or was Bombed. it the kind of – <laughs> Bombed. How many stories of like – but then when it came out on home video, it right. became like the biggest thing ever. That's what saved us was the invention of the VCR. Yeah. You know? And thank God for that guy, because we'd still be uh, in oblivion to this day. And so, uh, well, a lot of movies wouldn't be seen, but 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 um, that saved us. A lot of people were renting copies and then buying them and loaning them out and giving them as gifts and then holding on to them. And and uh, that's when you they kept started keeping track of sales and rentals. Mm-hmm. Remember, I think Entertainment Weekly had a page where they would give you a list of what what the sales and rentals were for each movie. Yeah. And and that ancillary was was very important for studios because you could actually make a lot more money in ancillary than you could in the theater. Sure, because something's only out for a few weeks, right? But ancillary, you keep keep buying and renting and so on, and so that saved the movie. Then it became like this underground cult thing. Well, there and it also is like you just never know. You never know because. A movie like that maybe was a slower burn because people just really had to absorb all that was going There's on. There's a lot. It's a lot going and on. And then it just sort of like wove itself into the fabric mm-hmm. of the culture. But I think that uh, that especially was when studios started going like, oh, maybe the box office isn't every – like it's good. Right. But maybe it isn't everything. Well, no, right. You know? Totally. Like maybe it's, and now you see that on Netflix where right, stuff right, right. that – like oh it did okay but then on Netflix you know like oh you know fifty million well right. how well, are they right tabulated they don't we we don't know because they don't release their uh, their data well I think they yeah they don't they don't they don't want to tell anyone they've started 
bragging a little bit sure. here and there. But it's going to come to a head at some point. <laughs> I guarantee it. People want to know because, you know, there's, there's, every, there's a lot of money in that. Sure. We're talking, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Anyway, but beside the point, yes, thank God for that guy who saved us with i wouldn't be sitting here with you probably but when so okay so this is really interesting because the movie you, so you say the movie didn't do well mm -hmm. and then after it come, came out were you immediately working on something else or were you like fuck we why oh god yeah i was because um, you did hot shots let's see what did i do after that i did glory i didn't work for two years because the movie tanked so i didn't get a i couldn't get arrested oh my gosh and so i finally got glory uh, which was a fabulous film with Denzel Lord, and Morgan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Matthew Broderick. And that was shot in Georgia. We, that was with um, Ed Swick. Mm -hmm. and, Did uh, that win the Oscar that year? It won for Best DP. Uh -huh. Freddie Francis, our DP, was fabulous, this guy. He was from the old school of British film. And again, you know, you had Ed Swick and, and, and uh, Freddie Fields, the producer, he had this project for eight years. Wow. So he knew that by the time TriStar signed on to do it, He'd already had a list of the greatest DPs and the greatest set designer and the greatest costume and the greatest this. He'd already amassed all of that. He'd gone through a few who'd come and gone because they couldn't wait. But then finally he had a team yeah. that he put together that was just – I mean it was just a winning team. Yeah. Winning. Yeah. yeah. So Glory, Glory comes out and then Hot Shots must have been like 89, 90, oh, yeah. right? Hot Shots. Um... This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home? isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite clear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I think Robin Hood Men in Tights, I think. I, can't, I, can't, I don't know my own career. Isn't that awful? I don't know the timeline of it, Chris. <laughs> well, it's just your life. So it's, it's only like... my life. No, I should know. Shall we cheat? Sure, let's cheat. All right, you got it. Well done. Katie's got Katie. it. Katie. Here we go. Let's see what came out first. Uh, so... so the Robin Hood. Yep. The crush. Dracula, Hot Shots. Hot right. Shots and Days, Days of, of Thunder, Thunder, Glory. Glory. Prince. Oh, my God. I did Days of Thunder before Glory? No. It came out after. So this is uh, this. Oh, is this, earlier. Is where the, this is earlier. Yeah, the, the bottom. So Princess Bride, Glory, Days of Thunder. Oh, wait. Let's just... This is we're looking at this. Let's I start. So yesterday's Hero Disco Dancer, 1979. Seems it, time appropriate. It's not true. <laughs> there's no way to tell IMDb it's not true. They don't care. They don't, they don't, want, care. They don't want to listen. Okay, so... 
Princess Bride, Glory, Days of Thunder, Hot Shots, um, Dracula. Dracula, the the crush. Which, by the way, we just watched the crush about a year ago. No way. That movie is so fucking fun. It's fun, right? It is so fun. It's crazy. It's Alicia Silverstone. Alicia, yeah, yeah. Then Robin Hood. Which yep. again, and again, talk about quotable movies. Yes. You know, growing up in England, uh, the other person that, whose films you had to see were Mel's. Of course. You, uh, you, if you were any interest in comedy, you, you had to have Mel's films studied and, and, and learned. Did you audition for him or did no, he just he offer called, you? No, he came to the premiere of Princess Bride. He came to the first screening on the lot, on the Fox lot. And he brought Gene Wilder with him. Oh, I, I, my God. You know, I know. Just a heart attack for me. Because, you know, right? I mean... Can you imagine finding, you know, did Carl you, Reiner and Mel Brooks and did Gene you Wilder? And, of course. Did I, mean, I, I don't know what I said. Something. I think I, <laughs> I dribbled. I probably dribbled, Chris. I drooled. And he was very sweet. He said, oh, you were wonderful in this film. It was really great. It was really fun. He seemed like yeah. a really sweet Lovely, guy. That... sweet guy. Yeah. And I just floated out of the cinema after that. I was like, my God, I just met, you know, I Mel ha- Brooks and Gene Wilder. I have at home, I bought at an, uh, an entertainment auction. What'd you get? Gene Wilder's credit plate from Young Frankenstein. Did you really? Yes. Beautiful. It's on a piece of glass. You have it? Yeah, it's in a frame. Oh, yeah. that's lovely. Yeah, and I, I, I managed to get Mel to right. sign it. Did you so, really? Yeah. yeah. He's also, he's a, a mentor to me, a lovely man. He's very old now, you know, he doesn't, he's quit the business, you know, but um, he doesn't have to prove anything. No. You know, he's got nothing to prove. He's done it all. But he also came out of that period of time when, you know, it's, he, he really approached it like a job, you know, Mm. it's like that sort of like working class, like Mm -hmm. it's your job, you Mm -hmm. gotta, you know, cause he, he, I don't know if he still has, he might still have his office. But yeah, he's on the you, like he would go yeah. to the office every the day, office every day. Yeah, and you know it was like yeah. it was it's like a, a full time thing. It was no, a full time job because I think he grew up in the studio system. Yeah, and you know back then it was like a job. It was a career, but it was also if you were lucky to have a career. Right, but it was also a job. You had to go in, check in, you know, and go onto the lot, and people worked on the lot, which yeah. is you know still something that I love about this town that's yeah. still going on today. Oh yeah, yeah. and speaking of Kevin Costner, Robin Hood, I know. which of course right. must have led to Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I would imagine. And then we ran into each other, and, he, <laughs> and that was fun. He pointed at me, went very funny, it was very funny, very funny. And with that, we pause to take a quick break to thank our sponsor for this episode of the ID10T podcast, Squarespace who can help you turn your idea into a website or a blog or showcase your work, um, sell products. If you want to create a storefront or or transfer one over, now is a good time to do that. Announce any kind of project or a special event, you know, with beautiful templates uh, created by world-class designers. There's powerful e-commerce. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. You can buy and choose domains from over 200 extensions. And now email campaigns. You can do email campaigns with Squarespace. All right, you're going to get consistent content straight from website to email, powerful editing tools uh, to make it grow, and then layouts for any kind of message, mobile editing, so you can send it anytime, anywhere. So Squarespace just keeps getting better and better and better. Um, So go to squarespace.com slash ID10T, get a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code ID10T to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace, now's the time. Build a digital thing, and Squarespace is going to help you do it. And now, let us glide gently 
back into this episode of the ID10T podcast. But um, it's um, uh, was working with Mel. Does he sort of just let you go, or is he very specific about what it is that he needs? You know, it's funny you say that, because he's a bit of both. Thank you, Katie. He's a bit of both. He he has very specific. Rob and Carl, I think they all grew up in, in the same guy, because Rob obviously grew up watching uh, his father and Uncle Mel work. Yeah. And so they have that work ethic of it is very specific. And comedy is very, it's a timing and it's delivery and it's everything, right? Body, you know, the whole thing. And so, if, you know, uh, for me, it was an education because I come from, and British humor, American humor, believe it or not, even though Monty Python, you know, basically crossed that barrier, for the most part, British humor doesn't really translate well in America. <laughs> it's very different. Sure. But how, luckily enough, because I grew up watching Mel and all things American uh, culture as a kid, fascinated by it um i was in tune with with their sensibilities and so i'd watched all in the family i'd seen almost every episode of, of all in the family i'd seen all of mel's movies which makes it's based on a british show totally yeah and um and so i i luckily i did my research i really did have such a love for their work and comedy as a whole so when i got to work with my heroes it was like Manna from heaven for me, yeah. Chris, you know? Yeah. If you could have told little Carrie at age six watching TV and dreaming of being inside that box that he was actually going to get to work with all these people, I would have, uh, I would have laughed in your face. And do, are, you, are you able to appreciate it at the time that it's happening or oh, is yeah. it like stressful? Oh, no, or not at it, all. It it's all like, no, it was all fun. Good. I totally was living in the moment. <laughs> I was pinching myself. I mean, I went to I always go to work early anyway. And I'm not one of the last persons to leave. And so I, those, those shows, I was there really early. I couldn't wait. I was, Mel's like, what are you doing here so early? I'm like, I, I came to watch you come to work, Mel. You're not even working today. What are you doing here? I said, I'm just going to watch you do your stuff. That is a spot on Mel Brooks. <laughs> that is a really good Mel Brooks. Yeah. And what's funny is like, even at that time, he must have been 70 yeah. because yeah. he's probably 95 so, by now. Yeah. And answer your question, he would let you, he would do one that was very specific to what he needed. And then he'd let you do your own thing. Oh, fantastic. And, and so, and sometimes the scene would be a mixture of those two things. You yeah. Know? You know, and he would just say things like, Okay, let's everyone do something silly. Something silly. This will be the silly one. Silly. <laughs> Did you ever pick his you know, brain about any of the... Oh, yeah, all the time. You know, he told us that, you know, how difficult it was to get some... It was difficult to get Young Frankenstein made. Nobody wanted to do it. Um, they didn't want to give him the budget. They didn't want to do it in black and white. Mm -hmm. That was absolutely a no-no. That was like a, almost the movie was folded on that. Right alone so you know man had to fight for these things how do you knew. know though like that's what that's what's i guess that just separates like visionary people from regular but people he, he went and rented all the original equipment from the frankenstein movie that was still in storage mm -hmm. so all of that's authentic you know where marty feldman's going around banging stuff that's all the wow. original equipment you oh, know that's amazing so that's why he wanted in black and white he really wanted to to give it the authenticity of being a serious Frankenstein movie. Right. And have, you know, all this craziness going. Kenneth Mars. Kenneth Mars. Oh, my God. Amazing. Right? 
Amazing. Amazing. Yes, I can see that you are. So good. The mo- right? Yeah, he gets he could get really big and then no, he could no, just get no, really, 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 really oh, yeah. small at the same time. Cass, Madeline Kahn, Marty. Terry Gar. Terry Terry. Put the candle back. <laughs> you can quote it. You can quote right? You can quote how many movies can you quote every line to? <laughs> I mean, Princess Bride has a few, but but Mel, it's every line almost. It's all it's it's a lot of them, right? Yeah, it is a lot of them. That's I think about the pressure of that. Yeah, but he, yeah, I guess so. But also because of his background and you know, like working in television and the Sid Caesar, right, it's like right. they, you know, he had, had a, he had a sketch background right. where you know, in that like, writers' room, they had to economize. They like, had to fight. For, yes, you know that they all did. Neil Simon, all of them. They were Carl, all of them back in the back room, Woody. Fighting to get their stuff on to the get show. their stuff on, yeah, because you know. every you know the episode te- it's live, right? So like the sketches, real estate is right, very, right, limited. very limited. So every joke has, has to, to land. Has every to joke land. has everyone, to count. Every, everyone has to count. So I, I'm sure That's that trained them. Yeah, you right. must have contributed to that. But but it's still it's even the performances of like, you know, Gene Wilder is 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 so. He's mostly serious in the film, but then just has those like, I want you to be very careful. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Put, don't put the candle. Like, right, just yeah, like yeah. going into like no, a weird cartoony. Totally. How, how totally. do you, you know. Class I, dis, <laughs> dismissed. You know? Because he's sunk the scalpel. Yeah, yeah. Into, it's great. Every, everything it's is so great. It's so great. Did the, any of that ever make you want to direct? One day, I'd like to, you know, um, when the phone calls stop ringing, uh, uh, for, for, I'd like to give it a shot, you know, for acting. If, I mean, once, once I can transition. I think actors are, make some of the best directors. Rob Reiner, Mel, all these guys, Redford, Ron Howard. I think some of the best directors are actors. They know how to talk to actors. They understand the process. And they know how to get great performances out of you. Right. Actors, you know? Right, right. Um, and so I think even even the best directors were, were obviously had some acting knowledge to them. They have to, in order to be able to get what they need out of the actors. Like Coppola has definitely studied acting. There's no question about that. Right, right. You can tell by just the theater games he plays and stuff like that. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. He totally. It's joyful. You know what I mean? It's playful. Right. We play for yeah. a living. Well, it's it's you true. Know? But there's just so much. But my daughter coined it best. She came to watch me getting getting dressed in my trailer one day, and she goes. Daddy, I go, yeah. She goes, do they pay you to do dress up? <laughs> I said, well, I hadn't thought of it quite that way, but yes, they do. And she went, they do. And that was it. She was sold on the idea. <laughs> That's literally what it is, which is why it's so funny because we just came out of like, we just came out of award season, thank God. Right. And it's so, I mean, listen, you know, people work very hard. It yeah. is a serious business. But, you know, when you see this sort of the gravitas, I know. And it's I know, like, I know. It's dress we up. are just playing dress up, you know. It's, it's like it's, it, it's hard. I'm not saying it, like not everyone can but do it's it. It's fantasy life, but it is fantasy life. Yeah, it is at the same time. But it's just so tied to yeah. like yeah. it's the most important. Yeah, know, it's so the most. But so, but it 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 absolutely. If you can have the attitude that you have of like it's fun, we it's get to fun, like, and it should be fun, of course. If it's if you know who wants to go to the dentist every morning, I no, know. But I it, know. it's just it's 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 there's so many pieces to it that are so unfortunately fused 
to our egos and yeah, our yeah, insecurities yeah. that it's well we're pampered a lot yes you know we're probably the most pampered people in the business yes yes know, someone always rushing to you going do you want a coffee how do you want water do you want it ice cold or room temperature i've never that I, i'd never heard that till i got to la room temperature <laughs> or ice cold. i went well i don't know i was confused I'm like which one should i have you know and and you do people you know i started out working in the business in production and I was that guy. I, I made tea and coffee and, you know, all that. So I, that gave me a great perspective on it, Chris. Right. So that by the time I went in front of the camera, you know, I, was, I knew what it was like to be part of the crew. Yeah. And so whenever I see actors giving crew a hard time, like, I pull them aside and go, dude, you know, <laughs> these guys don't get paid enough to take that kind of stuff. Right. Honestly. You really should give them a That's break. really nice that you do that. I mean, you have to. You're doing them a service. I think so. I like to think. Sometimes I stick my, my wife's like, you should just, just, just zip it. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. But I can't stand seeing people being, bully- or actors thinking they're very important and that, that they can treat people a certain way. That's to uh, me, it's, just, like, it's just, it's just, it's, just it's, it's an emptiness and an insecurity. You know, and it's like you can see right through obviously. it. Yeah, you can see right obviously. through it. But and obviously, look, everyone can have a bad day. That's understandable. But we're not allowed but, to. No, that's true. And, and so, and the gift that we have to play act for a living. Yeah. You shouldn't come to work if you're if you're miserable. You should go do something else. Right. Honestly. Right. We're putting on costumes, for God's sake. <laughs> for God's sake. <laughs> this is why I think you'll make a great director, because the first person that comes I mean, to set and tries to give you a hard time, you'll be like, e- listen. No, really. You, you, it's a joyful thing that we do. Yeah. It really is. And when you connect with other people, and it's a beautiful thing, as you know. It's, yeah. It's a, it's a magical thing. Yeah. That was the other thing I said to my wife after we did that panel. I was like, you know what I really love about Carrie? And Jake, too, had this, right. too. It's like, there's real joy in, like, they have a real joy about what they do and a real joy in talking about stuff that they've worked on and, and really embrace, like, you know, it, it, because I think I may have said this to you on the panel, but, you know, I obviously not when the movie first came out, but it, you know, but being so identifiable with, the, mm-hmm. with something like Princess Bride, yeah. you're like, yeah, that's great. I love that people remember it because what's the alternative? Yeah, is the alternative that, is, is obscurity. Yeah, of course. No, um, you know, look, the Duffers, uh, Stranger Things. Stranger Things, yes. There's a commonality to, I feel, with the people who have succeeded in a way that's profound. But, and I can compare them to Copeland, and this is the comparison, that they come to work joyful. They understand the process is joyful, and they understand it's playful, mm-hmm. totally playful. In order to be playful, you have to be relaxed. Mm-hmm. And to be relaxed, you have to you have to be relaxed right uh, and and create an atmosphere that is conducive to creativity right which is joyful right yeah? and these guys i mean look at they're writing for teenagers and they're in their 20s 30s how do they understand kids they're because they've never lost the child inside of them right 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 and to me when you meet an artist who has that who's never lost that they're in a child and it's the Peter Pan in a sense, right? Right. You're going to see something very special. Right. That's true of Al Pacino, of, of Gary Oldman, all of them. Well, also because they haven't been sort of jaded to the uh, 
to the point where they go, oh, before they talk themselves out of like, oh, you, we can't do this because of X, Y, or Z. Like mm-hmm. they go, well, if we were going to try these things, how would we do them? Exactly. Like how could we create, yes. you know, like there's a curiosity behind it. There's a massive it. curiosity and that's a childlike curiosity. Yeah, yeah. And that's how they approach their work. And I'm not saying they're childish. No, 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 I'm no, no. I'm saying they have... The energy. The energy and the excitement and the the, the, the discovery and the awareness and the, and the desire and the, and the curiosity of a child. Well, that's what sort of fun about our culture now is like obviously in the days of the you know the golden age of film and the great Mm -hmm. you know it was very much like stars director they were like all up here right and just in some sort of pantheon and untouchable and now you know we're in the age of like oh these fanboys Mm -hmm. get to make their thing right and so it it's just it's it's i feel like it's grounded them in a way that um is is better you know it's like there's there's more of an accessibility and more of a willingness i think to play because i mean i imagine the old days it was just easier to be isolated you were sort of sequestered from the rest of culture yeah now of course with social media it was a a controlled sequestering because you know uh even 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 under the studio system who you had dinner with and where you ate right like sardis and you had to eat with a new starlet because it helped her boost her career to eat with you you know all of that that was was the retweet of that that day that was the retweet of the day and they would studio would send the cameraman to catch you at dessert and whatever and that that made the papers the next day right hollywood confidential right 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 and so it was very controlled and not much has changed now in terms of the, the fascination that we have for, for celebrity, you know. Um, but now it's you have your publicist or whatever, or your social media guy or person or whatever it is, yeah, um, do that for you, you know. Are you a part of any of that at all? I no? did join social media. I, I, I sort of, I'm not very good at it. I'll be honest with you. I'm very Luddite. Sure. You know, and I'm a day late and a dollar short on a lot of things. So yeah. my fans are like, they, they, they're, they're nice enough to like, Overlook that. <laughs> you know, I think my fans are the nicest fans in the world because they're, they're able to see past, um, you know, the, 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 the loose threads in my, in my uh, social media. It's healthy, though. I mean, listen, I don't think social media is eternal. I no. think there's going to be a certain contingency of people who are so tied to it, whose identities are so right, tied right, to right, it. Right, right. And then eventually it's going to fade, like just because of the ebb and right. flow of life. And then a lot of people are going to be fucked because they just, it's like, well, what do I do? I don't, right. who am I without, right, without that? that. Yeah. yeah. And so believe me, I think you're better. I think it's this idea of like, oh, you know, sometimes it's fun. I definitely think that's a better long-term plan. Certainly right. a better, a better. No, I try to keep plan. it from, for, to promote the work I'm doing, obviously. Yeah. And, um, Sometimes I'll get political, but my, you know, my wife is very. She's the final arbiter. She's much more social mad, savvy than than I am. Yeah, social media savvy. So I, I run it by her. Yeah, and also if you want to keep it fun, you know, it's just like there are some parts of it that are just not fun. Yeah. You know, it's like well, it's yeah. not fun. Why yeah. don't you do that? You know, yeah. I just want to just want to live my life and go go to work. Yeah. Did you? So you worked on Miss Maisel, but are you done shooting it? Done or shooting. You're that. done shooting. We're it? done. That was that season. I just did one season of these shows, which was great. I mean, I, I got to be in two of the most, <clears throat> some of the p- most popular shows on television between uh, Stranger and, and Maisel. So, and, uh, and again, Amy, Sherman Palladino and Dan, very, very much childlike curiosity, fabulous, totally creating an atmosphere that is so joyful to work with. I mean, we're laughing like I haven't laughed that hard on a set in a long time. So funny. But so you, silly. You must, but you, I feel like because of 
who you are and how you see the world and the way you sort of navigate life, I feel like, you know, you probably feel like, oh, I'm so lucky to work with these people. But I would argue that you probably, without realizing it, attract these situations because of right. because of who, because of who you are. Thank you, Chris. and that's I hope and, so. and that's I, that, I like to think so because they so. probably recognize that about you too. Like, oh my God, Carrie. So I mean. You know. I love our process. It's fun. Yes. It's, like I said, it is fun. Yes. And and I don't take it for granted at all. Are you good with downtime? Like, do you... They pay, Michael Caine, who I just worked with. Oh, you one did? Of my, one of my heroes. Oh, my God. Yeah, we we just finished shooting a movie together oh. um, called Bestseller. And he's amazing. And I asked him about a quote that he once had that I, used, that I still use. Okay. And I asked him if it's true. And he said yes. And this is his quote. Okay. They pay me to sit around. The rest I do for free. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Isn't that great? That's brilliant. That's fantastic. Right? By the way, just do with this what you will. Maybe a fun thing for you to do on social media. Just some montages of impressions. Okay. Because you got a good Mel and you got a real good Michael Caine. I'm I'm just, I'm saying it could be a fun, fun way for you to play with social media a little bit. Yeah. I've heard he, I've heard Michael Caine is like, He's he's j- likes to talk like he will talk oh, about everything. stuff. Oh, I couldn't believe it. I asked him at first. I'm like, are you okay with me, like nerding out on you? <laughs> he's like, yeah, by all means, go for it. And I, I couldn't believe it. So I just I wouldn't. I think I got tiresome at one point because you have to remember. Besides, I told you growing up studying film and studying comedy and TV and drama and everything. Michael fit right in there with. He was up there in the pantheon of Finney and. O'Toole and Burton and, and you had to watch you had to see every movie that Michael did it was like if you missed a Michael movie you were, you were really not cool right right and so his body of work is like I mean it's bonkers right and so I picked his brain every day um, and he was his memory he remembers everything oh, that's every, great funny a great storyteller and again joyful Totally joyful, totally playful, totally fun. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, another I mean, like super quotable, amazing, amazing. Right? He, he, the, I can't remember what it was he won the Oscar for, but when, but he was accepting an, he was accepting the award, and you could see what a sweet guy he was because he was very vulnerable about like, look, because I've always been someone in a nutshell. He's like. I was always afraid of not working. And so I've made a lot of crap, you know, like just the idea that in his mind, like he's taken a lot of roles that he took because he just wanted to keep working. And yet, so we see him, it's kind of like the Prince thing, you know, we see him as this icon, this legend. And to him, he's just this guy who's navigating a business, who's scared of not working again, who just continues to work. Unbelievable. Yet at the end of it, when you take a step back, you know, we're in awe of what he's accomplished. In awe. But he's amazing. I mean, like, even, you know, in films that he probably thinks are not films he is very proud of are still classics today. Right. You know? And I remember watching uh, Swarm (laughs) and The Hand. And I'll watch it. I'll watch it. You know? Because it's Michael. Well, that's the thing, too, is that... Get inside the killer bezer (laughs) cannon. I mean, you know, that should be on a T-shirt. Right? I wonder, does he he read that in a script and 
Is, does he go, oh, fuck, what am I going to... All right, oh, I guess right. I just got to say go it. For yeah, it. He's you know, just, just going to say it. Committed. That's you know? really funny because there's, there's an acting lesson in that too. Well, he gave acting lessons. You should look at it. You and Lydia would love this. There's a, it was a VHS, and I'm sure it's now on DVD, of Michael Caine teaching people how to act, you know, and how to not blink in a close-up. <laughs> Otherwise, they'll think you're a total wuss. You know, things like that. It's great. I mean, you have to watch it. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Is he, is he doing it for straight? Or for is straight. It like, it's totally straight. Totally straight. But it, obviously, it's very funny because it's him. But to see a great actor in, you know, like, not a, not a great movie is such, like, that's a part of the business that I feel like, you know, like when people train to be actors, they're mm. training to work on the best stuff. Right, right, but, right. But to go in and still navigate a performance when you know, like, well, the production really isn't, and then this, and then, you know, it's not, the director's not as experienced, but you still have to figure out, like, how do I still go in there and do the best, the best that I can, can do and I then know. be able to walk away and leave it at the door and go, you know what? It's out of my hands now. Like, that is a fucking skill set that should be taught. Well, you have to learn that. You know, I learned it. You have to learn it. You have to let go and let God, you know? Right. Um, there's only so much you can do as an actor. You've got, you, you can't offer your opinion. You have to wait to be asked for it. Right. You know? Um, and so, uh, and if they really want to hear it, <laughs> there's always that you know and you have to navigate the shoals of of niceties and and you know and diplomacy to make sure right. you, you know who you're dealing with anyway it's for me like i said it's been an incredible ride if i die tomorrow i'm a happy guy don't do I'm, that no, but i mean i'm just saying if i look on my career i've really done everything that i've ever wanted to do i mean you, you know really think about it. i really you, have you've gotten you've you've done some pretty fucking pretty, cool pretty stuff cool stuff i mean some like insanely cool stuff I, and even even it's like all these things that we're talking about you know especially you know princess bride are talking about some of these michael Caine movies you just some things just need time to percolate yeah and so you can't I feel like that's the dangerous thing with judging stuff immediately, too. It's just sort of like the we'll see. You know, we'll see. Yeah. You know, like, whatever. This didn't do well in this way, but, oh, my God, it's like the biggest thing ever in this other way. And it just took a few years. But you just, you honestly just don't know. Who'd have thought that Gone with the Wind bombed when it came out? Right. I mean, not Gone with the Wind. um, uh, Wizard of Oz, sorry. Wizard Wizard of Oz. Bombed. Bombed. How, I mean. It didn't become a cult until it was started to air at Christmas time on on national television. And you have to ask yourself, like, well, it's not like there were a ton of options. So people, no. like, and the, 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 the Oz part is in color. This is a right. new technology. No, no, right. Like, from the technology standpoint alone, why weren't people oh, like, like, holy flocking. shit. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And now you can't imagine that film in any other way. I mean, you can't, I mean, if it's on, if you have a kid in the room, it's not, it's not being turned off at all. Right. It's unbelievable. Well, that happened with Citizen Kane, too. Did not. I mean, right. Obviously, there were reasons right. that it was uh, suppressed, which right. may or may not have had something to do with my, my <laughs> whatever. <laughs> He's a nice guy trying to live his life, you know. And this right. fucking this, right. this hack director okay. comes right. along uh, to yeah. do a hatchet yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, right. But someone else also explained to me that they go, well, they, well, but part of it was the WR of it all. But then the other part was that it was such an avant-garde movie when it came out that totally. it just people didn't know how to process it. Didn't know how to process and so it. a couple decades later, they start showing it on television, and people are like, wait a minute, yeah. this was it's a, like it's like Antiques Roadshow, like totally. oh my god, this clock is well, right. you know oh, this, this old clock show. that's been in our house forever. Do you love is, that show? Of course. Is it great? It's great. 
especially when oh i didn't know it was worth that much well that's <laughs> that's the thing it's like that's the moment that you wait for it's yeah. great either way like it's great if someone finds out that so they you have found a this ju- in a dumpster yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was a little girl on the other day she was like six she was really poised and she'd been dumpster diving with her mom. <laughs> Found some 18th century portrait, American portrait. Oh, my God. You know, and she goes, my mom just said, we should probably get that. And it was great. And did the, did, did the antique dealer say, like, little girl, do you need help? Is your mom throwing you into dumpsters? <laughs> exactly. Get in there. Yeah, right. You get the and fuck the, in there. The you find me, right, a, right. find me a, a Rodan or a Rembrandt. Rembrandt. Yeah. Yeah. Keep digging. <laughs> no, I think it was the mom who went in. Oh, the mom went the in. The kid was watching for making sure she was safe. Where is that? Where are they dumpster diving? Exactly. Yeah. Like, where? I mean, I think you have to like go to an estate sale or a house that's being torn down. Yeah. You know, and watch what's being thrown. I mean, you obviously have, I don't know. I've never done it, but I'm sure there's a process. But then anyway. the other side too is like, you know, this teapot has been in my family for 200 years, and they look at it and they go, oh, yeah, this is only, like, yeah. 20 years old. Oh, yeah. what the fuck? You know, <laughs> right. it's like that's the other part that's kind of fun, too, where right. it's like you, right. you, you either watch people, like, win the lottery right. or right. you just watch a dream yeah. shatter at right. the same right. time. Right. But but again, it's just like you, you like some, some things just aren't of their time yet. And if no. something comes out, maybe the the culture just needs a little bit of time to, to catch, catch up, up to, to it. it and we just we just don't we just True. don't know Kane had it. you're right it was not considered a masterpiece at all when it came out at yeah. all yeah and now it's the it's the standard by which every filmmaker you know Francis screened it first when we were making Dracula really yeah yeah and he has his obviously his own screening room and stuff sure yeah and uh, there were a lot of films he wanted us to watch but he particularly wanted us to make sure that we saw that When you choose Organic Valley, not only will you be enjoying great-tasting dairy, you'll help to save over 1,600 small organic family farms who are protecting over 400,000 acres of organic farmland and all the plants and animals that call it home. This is dairy you can feel good about. It's great-tasting, high-quality organic dairy ethically sourced from small organic family farms. To find Organic Valley Dairy near you, visit ov.coop. That's ov.coop. You hear that? Your dog knows. Spring is coming sooner than you think. But the warmer weather also means that fleas and ticks are coming back. Fleas are an itchy nuisance and can easily get into your home, furniture, and beds, which can be terrible. Ticks are even worse. They're hard to spot but can carry disease and get your dog really sick. PetMed's pharmacists connect directly with your vet to save you time and deliver the best flea and tick products for your pet. PetMed's offers low prices on all flea and tick meds, including Nexgard, Simperica, and more. Visit PetMeds.com and use promo code PODCAST to save 40% on your first auto ship order. That's PetMeds.com promo code PODCAST for 40% off your first auto ship order. That's kind of fun. Really I don't cool. I don't hear that for cast. So, I mean, I guess if you're Francis Ford Coppola and, right. you know, you have you and Gary Oldman, all these people, you probably as Coppola go, like, come, come to the screening room. We're going to watch us. And everyone goes, okay. Well, we were living with him up in Napa. Oh, my we, gosh. We did all the rehearsals up there. How was that? Oh, it's great. <laughs> so much fun. He's got the boat from Apocalypse. He's got the Navy PPR boat. Oh, like, come on. Sitting in a field. Do you, did it's you really? We were all like... hanging out there. It was great. Oh, Tom Waits. Fun. It was so much fun. We had we got we got up to no good. We were we were all staying up very late. It was fun. 
Love that makes that. me happy to hear that. Yeah. I mean, the fact that you appreciate it so much, I think, is nice for people to hear because you like knowing that the people that you enjoy appreciate stuff the way that you do or the way that you would if you were in yeah. that situation. Yeah. You know? Like I said, I was a sponge growing up for studying film. So when I met my mentors, I they knew right away that, I, oh, he's done some reading. You know, right. I, I, I couldn't help it. You know, right. I really like done the research and studied these people yeah so so that by the time i wanted to work with them they understood why right yeah right it wasn't just some guy off the street going oh i think you're pretty talented <laughs> and i wouldn't mind doing something with you mr coppola you know it was like an informed that was a terry jones character it was a bit of a terry jones. It was a bit of a terry jones character right, right? um you know I, it was much more an educated uh, approach that's i thought was important for me so that I had let them know how much I appreciate them. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever, did you ever think like, I want to do like a lot of crazy character work or any kind of, because I would, this is going to be a weird question, but right. you're such a handsome fellow <laughs> that I wonder at certain points where you're like, oh, but. If Gilliam called, I'd absolutely <laughs> put on a skull's head like David Warner in Time Bandit. David Warner. You know, you know. David, have you ever worked with David yes, Warner? Yes, got to work with David. Do you? You must have seen Time After Time. Oh, it's genius. The David Warner is such an incredible. Oh, he's a wonderful actor too. Wonderful, wonderful. Titanic. He's wonderful. The Omen. Yeah. Oh my god. I mean, he's brilliant. He's brilliant in everything. Everything. There, there's, there's like, um, there's such a certainty in his performances. Totally that he natural. Just is like totally natural. He's just like I listen. I also loved Tron. Maybe I was of a certain age oh, when great. Tron came out. I he's fucking great in Tron. I freaking love Tron. <laughs> Tron is genius. I'm so glad to hear you say that. I'm so glad to hear you Way say that. It's time. What did you work with him on? Oh, we did like um, <clears throat> I don't know, a, a horror anthology, TV anthology series. I can't remember. It was like um, not Twilight Zone and Outer Limits. Something oh, and Outer like Limits that. type something of a thing. Like yeah, that kind of thing. Is he is he still alive? Is he oh, alive? God, I think so. Yeah, he's very old, but he's been around. I mean, dude, that guy's been working at it f f since he was a teenager. You right. Know? I mean, he's like a serious pro. Yeah. And you have to remember, too, when these guys were starting out and working, it's not like now there's film and television and there's streaming services right. and there's Netflix and They're all theater trained, these They're guys. They're all, of course. You know, there's a commonality between Kane and... Burton and Finney and O'Toole, all those guys came through the theater. They were all trained on the stage, and they became – they honed their craft in a way that is profound, that very rare the theater actors, their work transcend onto film because it's obviously a completely different medium. Sure. Or, you know, the way you act on the stage is completely different than having a close-up. Right. Right. And Where you but, don't blink. Right. Where you don't blink. <laughs> Otherwise, you're a wuss. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that great? Anyway, but these guys were so good and so talented that by the time that, that Michael Caine fought and tooth and nail to be cast in Zulu, and I think he's, I don't know, nineteen twenty or something like that, and he had to persuade the producer to, to let him play the part because they just wouldn't hire him. And the studio didn't. They were like, absolutely no way. There's no way. I picked his brain about that. And he said, I got the role of the tough, Kerry. I got the role of the tough, right? And I had to be a snob in, the, in that part. And I, and I tell you what, I had to fight to get it. And he did. He fought 
to get the, to himself noticed in, in the industry when he was earning nothing. Right. You know, they don't pay in the theater. No. Well, also, I also think there's that, you know, the, especially that's what's so interesting, too, about, you know, British culture versus American culture in entertainment, because there is I imagine there's definitely more of British of like tall poppy thing where it's like, you, oh, yeah. you can't be. Yeah, yeah, you're, that's it. You've reached the 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 pinnacle of your career and if, if anyone suspects that you think you're better than it then they will just like you're done you're fucking done done yeah whereas here that's sort of <laughs> yeah sort of celebrate. celebrate that celebrate it. yeah well that's the thing about america is that there's less snobbery than there is in england oh that's interesting because you know, in england is you know people look at your shoes and they're already like judging you sure you know, you know or the whatever how your accent is right very judgmental on accents which is why i love studying them Right. You, know, you ever seen Michael Palin's um, Ripping Yarns? Yes, of course. How great is that? Yes, yes, now, yes. Palin's from Yorkshire. Okay. Right? He's a Yorkshireman. That's why one of those episodes is all about, you know, football, the Yorkshire right. football team. You know, he's very much that, to me, his sensibility, his sound is so musical and lyrical to me that I studied it carefully, you know. Have you gotten to use it in anything? No, but I just wanted it. I love hearing it. It's like a melody to me. Right. So um, they're melodies to me, these accents. They're, they're yeah. actually beautiful. Right. They're to be celebrated because they, they represent a different cu- part of the culture. Right, right, you right. Know? And instead of people like going, oh, well, yeah, that must mean. That's why Cleese would always play the snooty upper class characters looking down on people. Like, right. Is this a five minute argument or a two minute argument? You know? <laughs> You know, that kind of thing. He was always playing that guy who was looking down on you. And he also actually was a physically very tall man looking down on people. Yeah. Yeah. And so they were making fun of that. And that helped break that barrier. It helped a lot. A lot of people who thought, okay, this is silly. Why are we putting so much emphasis and focus on... You know, you, you're beneath me because you, you're from this another part of town. Well, my one know. of my best friends married a British guy and just like moved to England, right. and she loved like she was very much an Anglophile, loved loved British culture. But being over there, like first of all, she's like it's fucking gray all the time, like <laughs> dark gray all the time, <laughs> yes. not light gray. Like we were, we were, yeah. per- she, uh, we performed together a lot. Gray, she, gray is a very important color in yeah, England. Yeah, yeah. Like we were in, we were in Philadelphia, and it was like cloudy. And she goes, "This is the most light." And I go, "It's gray." She goes, "No, no, no. This isn't gray. Yeah, L- like that's light gray. This is light gray, which is which is like on the spectrum of on on a rainbow is important in England. But you know, it blows because there's gray, light gray, and dark gray, and dark gray, and she's that's like, it. It's been dark gray for three months. She said, but she's like, it's so fucking trippy. And this is kind of how she talks. She's like. My friend April she's like it's so fucking trippy there's a fucking queen there's a queen yeah. there's like a family there's a family and she goes and when she says stuff it like means stuff it's like this isn't the fuck you know like it blows Great. her away and so but maybe sort of that stratified class system is still this this holdover yeah. from you know just the, like centuries of oh, please of colonialism and, yes and, and empire yeah no it is it is but like I said that's why I gravitated towards watching comedy in England growing up because these people always, they never, they, they, they made fun of it all. Right. Nothing was off limits. Right. Especially these, the, 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 the complete um, stupidity of, of, of class distinction. Right, right, you right. Know? And so now... Banality, spend, I should say. Do you, well, yes, banality and also the bureaucracy. The like bureaucracy, the pythons yeah. were also great at... Yeah, yeah. 
you know, of the bureaucracy of anything. Right. You know, it's just sort of the everything has some sort right. of a structure that right. is designed to get in your way. Totally. And that's that sort of that idea. Um, I don't know if they invented that, but I don't recall no. ever seeing you no, know like no. that. Wasn't, that. They, wasn't they trying to get a trying to get a cooker? And they, it was a long line of all these people who were trying to get their cooker, uh-huh. and they had the wrong paperwork. <laughs> and, and I think Brazil, Brazil is all about do, that. Right? Do you remember the beef one of yeah, yeah? They the break in the thing, you sign form. the form, the form. and then they it's brilliant. Yeah, 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 all of it. So what do you it fixed what, itself? Did it? It fixed itself. <laughs> <laughs> so good. We now I gotta watch. I tried to show Lydia Time Bandits and it didn't. It didn't gotta resonate as much with her. Oops, sorry. It didn't resonate as much with her, but I still. Yeah, you have to watch it again. You really. It's like that's another one. You're like, how the fuck? Who, the, the, the universe. The again, bureaucracy. The universe is a corporation, basically. Mm-hmm. And even Ralph Richardson looks like a CEO. Like he totally. looks like the president a of a company as the supreme being. And it's just like, oh, they're just kind of going through and correcting all the mistakes. From when, yeah. It's a typo. Yeah. The whole movie is about a typo. <laughs> it's like Big Lebowski. The whole movie is about a rug. Yeah. Uh, Brazil is all about a typo. Brazil's about a typo. It's yeah. supposed to be Tuttle instead of Buttle. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah, because something gets into the typing machine or a something. Fly. A fly. A gets dead into fly. The, yeah, yeah. Causes chaos. Yeah. And Time Bandits is all about the mistakes. Like, right. the, we're the fabric of the, the universe. The fabric of the universe. They're just holes. Yeah, just holes. And they're supposed to repair them, but they decide to basically just go, I don't know how the fuck. I, how do you... And they, they were even saying that even with, like, Life of Brian, if it hadn't been for George Harrison... Yeah, writing that check. They, he, they Mortgaging never... Mortgaging his house. Yeah. They never would have gotten to make never. it, but George Harrison just happened to have a weird sense of humor, and he was like, you know... He was, mortgaged his yeah. house. A beetle mortgaged his house <laughs> for Monty Python. <laughs> Eric Idle says it's the most expensive movie ticket ever, ever paid for. He must have made... I mean... He, he, oh no, he did very well. Okay, that. good, good, yeah, good, yeah, good, yeah. good. No, that, that film is has gone into the pantheon of, you know, talk about ancillary. My God, but I don't know if those did those movies do well in the theater when they came. Oh God, out. yeah. Okay, I saw good. I saw Life of Brian in Westwood. Oh, you did packed, packed, and there was a long line for the next screening. Oh wow! Already waiting for us to come out when we were walking in. So you've been in LA for quite a while. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, I would visit here a lot as well. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but oh, massive line, and you could barely hear the dialogue. Oh, that's great. You know? That's great. Well, I hope that you at some point get to direct something Thank you. because I, I do think that there's this. You have a certain fluency. I, I just I think it would be a joyful experience for you, as stressful as I imagine directing is. Joyful, joyful, totally yeah. joyful. Joyful, this is mildly stressful, but but joyful because you have to have the last answer for everything. The stress is fun, though. I mean, you know, yeah, it, it, you have a lot of responsibility, obviously, but but if, if you you surround yourself with the best people, right? You know, I've noticed that with the shows that I've worked on, you know, where where they've done they've been something memorable. It's all you have to do is. I think Truffaut said it. You put 99% of the people around you who, who know the, more about what they're doing than you do. Yeah. And you're in pretty good shape starting right. out. Right. He described it as a train leaving a station. Regardless of whether you're on the platform on time, you need to latch onto that thing. <laughs> it's going to go. Leaving it's going to go. With or without you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, you know, um, 
Will it go off the rails? Probably. Right. Probably. It's how you manage that crash. Right. Rather than just sit there and watch it happen. Right. You know, and he said, there's, you know, every film has its trials. There's always something. Yeah. Always. You know. Oh, I didn't even, I totally, God, I don't want to keep you here forever. I just, I don't know why this just popped in my head, but like, Saw is one yeah. of, like, the fuck... That's another movie that just completely redefined a genre right. of, of film yeah. that you, I mean, that, I feel, feel like Saw was sort of the beginning of the new era of like, oh, you can make an arty horror movie that actually is, becomes like a worldwide phenomenon yeah. and isn't, you know, isn't just, when you were making it, did you feel like, oh, we're just making this fun, weird little movie and, you know, like, yes. whatever? I knew that. James Wan had a great eye he, as a director. He was a great artist. He drew all the all the set designs himself. I mean, he showed up to our first meeting with a with an artist's notebook filled with all the drawings. Mm-hmm. He, he'd drawn the the puppet and the mask and all the bathroom set and Adam's apartment, all of that stuff already well ready to go. And he built the puppet. He traveled with it from Australia, and actually, he actually booked a seat for it because he didn't. <laughs> He didn't want to put it in lug- in case it got crushed by by luggage handlers. Right? Ah, scared the can shit. You, can you imagine? Yeah, and um, and so I knew that it, it was definitely original, uh, but we, we had no idea with that when we shot in eighteen days. Oh my! God. Cost like a million two hundred thousand dollars. Oh my god! And it shot just- it all at the Cagney and Lacey Studios, right on the five, right here. Oh really? Cagney and Lacey, Lacey Studios, where yeah. they shot Cagney where they and Lacey. Where they shot Cagney and Lacey. It'd be it's weird right if they Dodger. called it that and they didn't shoot Cagney and Lacey yeah, it there. it would be weird, like, right? Oh, we'd no, it's, it's right by Dodger Stadium. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, it, again, was that just a... When you read the script, did you, did you kind of get what it was he was trying to do? Oh, yeah. Really? Okay. No, no, absolutely. But, you know, we had time for maybe three, three takes tops. Right, right. Do you like working that way, or do you like like? Because I imagine we work with Coppola. It's like, okay, we got some time, we got a little space. We're going to do this a few right. times. It both work. They both have their pros and cons, Chris. Like sitting around for too long can can actually be, you know, even though like like Michael says, they they pay you to sit around. Sitting around for too long is really you get, start getting depressed. You're like thinking about the amount of money it's costing. Sure, you know, and and uh, that can be stressful. Uh, or, or just trying to keep your engine running, to, right? To, you know, um, but speed is fine because it actually, I think, like television, um, it gives you less time to overthink stuff, right? You know, right? You, actors, if you give them too much time in their trailer between setups or something, they'll, they'll <laughs> overanalyze it all. <laughs> you know, Hark! I hear the cannon roar. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Can we do that again? No, no, there's no, no time. No, no. okay. No. Oh, that was the one. Oh, that's what we're printing. That. Oh, sure. Gary okay. was so funny when we did Dracula. <laughs> but my first line, he came up to me and whispered to me, he goes, "Are oh, you doing it like that? Are you?" <laughs> <laughs> did you know him before then? No, no. That's and we what... became instant friends. I mean, he cracked me up. Yeah, he just hit me on the floor. Yeah, I remember that he was on the podcast maybe like four or five years ago. Great. And I realized when we started talking, like, I didn't, I don't think I knew what your regular voice was. Because he just. No, he's a a freak of nature. He's so incredible. He becomes the part. Yeah. And lives it and 
sleeps it and eats it and you know must be very tiring on his on his system but he he's so into it yeah and he's a natural some of us have to work really hard at it. and you look at him and you go okay he may by the way i'm sure he does do a lot of work to make sure. it look easy but um but it does seem like switching on a light bulb for him it's unbelievable right 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 unbelievable yeah i don't know acting is acting is one of those weird things where i it just it's like, how do you know if you're doing it right? Like, how do you know? <laughs> That's you know, why they like, have a director. Yeah, of course, I know, but still, like, how do you? Like... Mel, Mel would come up and joke with it. He'd go, all right, in this ne- next take, stuck less. Okay, action. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. You know? That is fantastic. You know? Yeah. You got to teach me how to do the Michael Caine at some yeah. point, though. Okay. I just, You're good with voice. Nah, I just yeah. I could do a couple here and there, but it's just the uh, the the one that I when I whenever I hear Michael Caine now, I, all I can hear in my head is Master Wine. Like it's that <laughs> I just hear him as Alfred now, right. Master Wine. You know, yeah, like yeah. And it, it. But the guy, it he must have done like two hundred. Is he still working? I just finished a movie with the oh, guy. Oh, this just happened. Yes. Oh, I didn't realize this was like literally just literally happened. Literally just happened. Oh my god! Yeah, and does he, does he loves it? Oh, fantastic! I mean, he's like on it. Never forgot a line. Never missed a mark. Nothing. He's totally. I mean, dude, he's been doing it forever. Right. You know. Right. Like I said, these guys came up through the theater. Yeah. So they're like so professional. Do you envision yourself as someone when you're, you know, eighty-five? You're like, I'm still gonna get out there, and then... I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question, Chris. Um. I don't know. You just, just don't, don't know. know. You won't know till you get there. Yeah. If I start forgetting dialogue, that would be the time to quit. That would not be good. Right. You know? Yeah. Alzheimer's, early Alzheimer's. <laughs> right. Yeah, you don't. You don't. don't like, do you, you wouldn't. Yeah, because obviously you, you probably feel bad for the production. You totally. Don't wanna, yeah. You know, the old guy who's like, they're all waiting on you to say your line. Right. Like, don't remember it. That's uh, Kerry. We got yeah. to give him that. We'll shoot around him. Yeah. <laughs> Just shoot from the back of his head and we'll dub it later. <laughs> Just all your lines are just like every shoulder. Just That's a, it. Yeah, just, just like nodding up and down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and they get a sound alike. Are you? What, lastly, like, what are you excited about right now? Like, what what makes you happy? Like, what makes My you daughter, joyful? The oh, that's nice. Production I'll ever do. She's a little over budget. She's <laughs> right on schedule, and uh, the best thing I'll ever do. Best. How, how old is she? Greatest. She's twelve. She's about to star in. Um, the Little Mermaid in her school. She's playing Sebastian. She gets the best song. She gets to play Sebastian. Sebastian, which is that she has the best song. She has Kiss the Girl and and uh, and uh, Under the Sea. She's great. And she loves it. And she's totally into it. And, and a joy. Good. She's a, smarter than I am. I'm so proud of her. She's so much smarter than I was growing up. I look at my homework and how how I thought it was tough. What I had to learn at her age. She's learned algebra and is like nailing it right you know yeah and i'm thinking how the heck i I, she would come and ask me for help i'm like you i'm the wrong guy to ask i'm telling you you know that's really nice i'm glad to hear that she's amazing i'm glad to hear that yeah i i really can't thank you enough for coming all the way out here i know you live way across town it was nice for you to pop by are you kidding come and see this horrible place that you work in my god this loathsome filthy rundown dump if you're not if you if you're listening to this podcast and wondering where we're doing it from we're doing it from one of the great hollywood mansions absolutely stunning 
what you've done with this place. Chris. Oh, thanks! It's absolutely amazing. Thank you. Yeah, we just, we like to you know we like to renovate. We no, like to but renovate. You know what? There's a, Hollywood, as you know, there's so little left over. Yeah. Now you know. I mean, when they tore down Pick Fair, that was like a how they could let that happen is amazing to me. But the fine line between what real estate developers feel is important to to preserve and what they feel is worth turning into a parking lot is to me a, a travesty in 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 terms of preservation in this yeah. in this country. And luckily in England they're very careful about that. Right. We have a lot more history, thank God. But if you you know when John Cleese dies, they're gonna put a blue plaque on his apartment saying John Cleese lived here. Right. And yeah. you're not allowed to yeah, you're not don't allowed to touch, touch this. it. Yeah, don't touch this. Leave it the yeah. way it was. Yeah. And to me, there's so much great architecture in America, especially out here, given all the, as we talked about, the whimsical designs that people came up with. Yeah. To me, if you're 50 to 100 years old, you have a right to stay up and not just stay up, be preserved and, right. and protected. Yeah. And I love that you're doing that. Oh, thank it's you. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah, we're trying. You know, we're trying. It's like there, there is. Um, I don't know. I, I, I we're just not like a a business first. Like I guess the developers, you know, it's like ah, oh, we gotta we gotta put up another right. one of these glass boxes. And I guess financially, that no. makes a lot of sense. But no, you gotta do it. And by the way, when you're restoring, as you know, old houses, you have to find craftsmen who know what they're doing. Yes, those people are real artists and they don't come cheap because they have their craft has been passed down from generation to generation yeah and there are a few people who know how to put a tin ceiling in and well you know, but, or, but every, or, you but, know or, yeah but but what happens is every fucking time <laughs> like there's there doesn't really seem to be like a standardized way that everything works no matter what tradesman or, right. or craft person comes in they all say the same thing which is like who did this? How? Why did they? Right. I don't know why they. It's right. always wrong. Always. Always wrong. Oh, I'm sorry, but it's the same in England. Oh, sorry, all electricity's got to come out. <laughs> I mean, I don't know who told you could all do that. All, all of it. No, all of it. All of it, including the neighbours, because they're oh. actually going to affect the electricity. <laughs> so we'll have to talk to them. No, it's 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 a nightmare. It's a it's right? a because, non it's know, a nonstop process, and you just have to yeah, be go with it. We're renovating a structure now that's on well. It's like there's a carport underneath, so it's like on stilts or whatever. Right. And we just discovered that what we thought were the support beams, no. like in the thing, aren't connected to anything. You're like it joking. basically just set it on these stilts no. like a fucking dollhouse. No. That's sort of the thing that you have to get comfortable with is like, because you said your mom was an interior designer. Right. Did that involve like, not, like, was it just furniture? Or would she like Everything. knock down? No, no, no. You no, never no. know what's going to happen when you open up a wall. Never know. You never know. You know, and she worked really hard at it. She would bring us to the sites, of course, because, you know, if we had time off from school and we would go with her to work. And so and sometimes she put us to work, yeah. you know, which was fun. Um, I've done plastering. I've nice. put pipes in a bathroom and things like that. It's, it's good to learn some kind of trade. Helpful. Yeah. Anyway, but she, was, she really was, uh, got some great clients and did some amazing work. And so I grew up around that. That's why I can tell when I see what you guys do. I'm like, okay, these guys are into it. I mean, Lydia's choice of wallpaper is fantastic. She is a wallpaper I mean, she's fabulous goddess. Like no. she just finds these this wallpaper that's in the it's podcast great. room. We have in our in a small little coat closet in our it's house, great. and she found it. She's I, great. She was like, I got extra if you want no, it. But like, everything, yeah. the furniture, the, everything. It's so fun. Nice. Well, thank you. Why? Well, I, I hope. Uh, I hope to see you again yes, soon. Me too. Just the nicest guy. Oh, thank you. And 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 it, especially like at those events that we go to, thank you, like yes. I I always 
I, like I immediately, I don't know if anyone feels comfortable with those things. <laughs> you know, it's like if anyone feels comfortable, right, they're right, probably a sociopath. Right, right. Um, but it's like I always like to. It's like, oh, they're nice. I'm gonna go, and I, I just, I, I, they're like a handful of people that I see that are just like little ports right. in a, in this storm of all this weirdness that's going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are you are you pretty used to that stuff? No, by now? we don't go out much at all. We yeah. live in Malibu, so we're very don't you know? We only do them when when it's necessary, right? So we're not actually just as awkward as you imagine yeah. at these things because we don't do them a lot. Yeah. And you're seeing people that sometimes you only see at these events. Right. So you don't know what to... No, but it's nice to see old friends and stuff. Yeah. And um, But, you know, um, I'd rather be with my kids. Of course. You know. Of course. My wife. But, and if they're not with me, it's always weird. But luckily, I, you know, I bring my wife. And, uh, she gets to come to most of them. But... Um, yeah, it's always, it's always very. I, 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 it's it's a whole basically a whole, it's a whole other type of dress up and play pretend. <laughs> that's yeah, true. I am a confident person, right? And uh, I totally belong here, right? right and right. I feel totally comfortable here right now. Like right. that's the that's as, the I, thing. as I posted trying to look suave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Could you just in in uh, as Michael Caney a voice as possible? <laughs> just end this with a Master Wayne or some okay. kind of like um, yeah. Be like a duck. <laughs> Calm on the surface, but always paddling like the dickens underneath. Is that in the acting thing? Yeah. <laughs> Save your money. You're going to need twice as much money in your old age as you think. <laughs> this, you don't have to read this whole thing because it's long, but it does have the Master <clears throat> Wayne in it. With respect, Master Wayne. Perhaps this is a man that you don't fully understand either. <laughs> a long time ago, I was in Burma. My friends were and I were working for the local government and we were trying to buy the loyalty of tribal leaders by bribing them with precious stones. But the caravans were being raided in a forest north of Rangoon by a bandit. So we went looking for the stones. But in six months, we never met anybody who traded with him. One day, I saw a child playing with a ruby the size of a tangerine. The bandit had been throwing them away. <laughs> superb superb and also you'd also get extra points for like excellent cold reading as michael kane as alfred there's no better way to end this i i, I feel like i should just quit the podcast now it's, i don't know if it's ever going to get better than that but i really appreciate that you did that my pleasure thank you carrie good thank to see you, you. The end. What a joy. Thank you. Would you mind... Oh, so sorry. Yeah, yeah, sure. Would you mind signing our, our guest book? Of course. But of course. But of course. Did you ever see The Man Who Would Be King? Oh, yeah. Of course. Right? I, I picked his brain about that. He goes... He goes... Yeah, you know, it was so funny. The first day on the set, I said to John Houston, I said, how was that take? Was that good? And you know what he said to me? I said, no, Michael. What did he say? He said... He said, you are being paid a lot more money than me, so you should know what the bloody hell you're doing. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's not what I was expecting. <laughs> all right, I'll just... Uh, all right. There you go. ID Tenty scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. 
Just you wait. Auto Trader.